This is Solid Foundation Ministries with Dr. Pierre Couvert, building solid foundations through sound Bible teaching. Welcome back to Solid Foundation Ministries. Today I want to talk to you about a major event that happened this past week. As I do, I want you to keep the following passage in mind. It's Psalms 37 verses 34 through 40. It says, Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I have seen the wicked in great power, and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he is not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the end of the wicked shall be cut off. But salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in a time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them deliver him. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Now the key part of this passage of scripture is that last phrase, because they trust in him. It has to do with trusting in the Lord. If you don't trust him, you can't expect him to work for you. It says the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord, and he is their strength in time of trouble. Now, this may be referring to the salvation of the soul, but I believe because it talks about saving them in the time of trouble, it's probably more likely talking about saving them out of trouble uh, I think this uh, passage needs to be understood in the context that it's talking about Israel's right to the land where they are. But there's also a lot more we can say about this. I'm sure you're aware of what happened last Saturday in Israel. There has seldom been anything more barbaric than the actions of Hamas in their invasion of Israel. Folks, they keep saying these are terrorists. They are not terrorists. They are an invading army. They would take just as much land as they could. Fortunately, uh, Israel has been able to push them back a bit. Although Hamas is denying the atrocities, there's plenty of evidence to the truth of them. There was an elderly lady that was raped and killed in front of her her grandkids, and then they were killed also. There was another lady, elderly lady, in a wheelchair who was burned to death in her wheelchair because taking her hostage was too much trouble. They have found infants with their heads cut off and burned and all kinds of other mutilizations. There was a truck, a load of children that was on fire. These things are on video, and you probably can find them on YouTube if you do a a search. There are a lot of other things that are going on in the name of Allah also. It is so barbaric, it's unbelievable. And it really hurts to see the left denying the happening of these things. Of course, we would expect Hamas to to do it. And then they're making a big deal about uh, when uh, Israel responds and goes in and shoots at the headquarters and the installations of of Hamas in, in Gaza that they kill innocent people in the process. This is war, folks. Innocent people will be killed, especially when Hamas makes it uh, their goal to set their headquarters and their installations in the presence of women and children and innocent people to use it for propaganda purposes about how Israel is killing women and children. But nobody's talking about, or very few people are, I should say, talking about what 
the Hamas invaders did to the people in Israel. Only the children are really innocent in this thing. You need to understand how the government in uh, Gaza was set up. It was set up as a democracy. And the people voted in the Hamas leaders. And then they stopped all elections after that. Now, I'd like to ask you a question. Where do you think that the Muslims get the idea for doing this kind of thing? Think about that for a minute. It's in the Quran, but it even goes back before the Quran was, was completed. It goes back to their founder, their prophet, Muhammad. Muhammad, first of all, tried to start his new religion in Mecca, and he was rejected. He had very few followers, and he was angry, and so he moved to Medina, thinking he would be accepted there. And when he got there, he ex expected, because he was a prophet after all, that the Jewish people would accept him with open arms, and they did not. So here's what he did. He invited them to the town square for a peace treaty so there wouldn't be fighting between them. And when they got there, he took all the men and beheaded them and put them in a ditch around the uh, that they had dug around the, the square and uh, dumped them in the ditch. And then they took all the women and children captive as slaves, either uh, sex slaves or whatever ever other kind of slaves they needed. That's where they get the idea. They follow the example of the founder of their religion. And don't let anybody tell you that it's the moderate Muslims that are the... Uh, are the real Muslims. No, the terrorist Muslims, the jihadi Muslims, those are the real Muslims. Those are the ones who are living out what Islam teaches. The moderates are the radicals, if you will, because they are the ones that have departed from the truth. Some are calling this incident uh, Israel's 9-11. Israel is responding to this the same way we responded to our 9-11 back in 2001. Americans turned to church and to God for about two weeks. That's about the length of time they did it. And then they turned to man after that. Now, when you stop and think about it, the reason that judgment is coming is because we've turned away from God. The only solution is turning back to God. And I don't want to diminish the work that uh, Mayor Giuliani and President Bush did at the time. Uh, their response was right. They did the right thing. But we can't trust in what they do. Americans put their trust in these men rather than in God. And then after after the Obama administration coddled the Muslims, encouraging more terrorism, America turned to trust another man, Donald Trump. And I'm not criticizing Donald Trump. I happen to like the guy. Uh, but uh, he's not the solution. Donald Trump is, is a very worldly man, and he he wants to work from a power or position of strength. He, he He's a good man. I'm not taking him down at all. There are a lot of lies being told about him, but uh, he, he really is, as humans go, a good man. Now that we have an administration full of corruption and that's enabling terrorists, many are returning again to Trump. They think he's the solution. And I do personally, you can disagree with me on this if you want, but I do personally think he is the best man to be president right now. And I think he's the man we should be electing. I don't see anybody else on the horizon that will do that which is necessary, but we can't trust into him. I want you to listen to how 
Israel responded to attacks in the Old Testament. They, they had been attacked. The wall had been breached. There had been some things come down. And in Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 8, it says, The Lord sent a word to Jacob, and it hath lightened upon Israel. And all the people shall know, even Ephraim and the inhabitant of Samaria, that say in pride and stoutness of heart, the bricks are fallen down, but we will build with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will change them into cedars. Therefore the Lord shall set up adversaries in, of resin against them and join uh, his enemies together. We need to understand that Jacob is Israel. So the word was sent to Israel. The prophet warned them. The people responded with pride and stoutness of heart. They said, we're going to do things. We're going to replace the bricks with hewn stone because they're stronger and we'll build a stronger defense. And sycamore trees weren't as strong as the cedar trees, so they were going to replace the sycamore trees with a stronger tree for protection and things like this. And as a result of their pride and their desire to go out and do it themselves, God sent more judgment through their enemies. They were judged more severely. America is, or at least was, strong. Israel is strong today, but they both trust in their strength instead of God. Let me remind you of this. 300 men with candles, pitchers, and trumpets defeated the strongest army of their day. I think there were about 120,000, but I'm not sure on that, so don't hold me to it. But they didn't do it by their strength. They did it by God's strength. Uh, in Psalms 20, verse 7, it says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Folks, we can't trust in anything that man has. We can't trust in our army, which is still superior army in the world, I believe, today, although there are others that are catching up, like China. But, but I still think we have an extremely strong army. But we can't trust it, because if God chooses to take us down, he will send an enemy against us that will defeat us. And he may do it with 300 men or 50 men if he needs to. It doesn't matter how many there are. There were a couple of, uh, of lepers who went into the enemy camp thinking they might be able to get some food and found everybody dead because God had killed them. That was just two men. Christians must stop trusting in chariots and horses, in other words, human things, and start trusting in the Lord our God. In Psalms 37 verse 40 it says, And the Lord shall help them, and deliver them, he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. If we want to see God's hand, if we want to see salvation from all of this trouble, we as Christians have to turn back to God. At the present time, Israel is not trusting in God. Listen to what Netanyahu saying. And there again, he's a good man. He's the man for the hour. I'm not taking that away from him. But he says, we're going to hit them so hard that it will be uh, affecting them for generations. We're going to do it. Not God's going to take care of it, but we're going to take care of it. Israel will not lose this war. 
they're going to win it or it's going to be very, very long because Israel is still going to be where they are and who they are at the time when Antichrist is revealed and when he sets up the covenant with them to stop peace or to cause peace, I mean. Those who are not familiar with Bible prophecy will not understand that this war is a necessary part of God's end time program. We have to have this war because you have to remember what the Antichrist is going to do when he first gets in there. Uh, Listen to what it says in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27. And he, and I believe that's talking about the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That means seven years. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. Talking about the temple there. Even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. That's telling us that the Antichrist is going to confirm a covenant of seven years with Israel for peace. If we don't have conflict going on at the time, how is he going to come to power by saying that he can bring peace? Think about that. It's a necessary step in God's program. He will come as a peacemaker. He will cause the Arabs and the Jews to get along. We were close to that before uh, Biden was uh, elected into presidency, and then it kind of fell apart. But this is really going to happen during the tribulation period. But he'll break his covenant in the middle of it. The Bible says he's going to desecrate the, comp- uh, the, the temple, the Bible, which means there has to be a temple also, by the way. And it also says that he's, he's going to uh, make himself a god. And, but he can't bring peace if there's no conflict. And we need to keep that in mind. Today, Israel is, for the most part, irreligious. I was there... Uh, a few years back uh, in Israel, and I watched what was going on. People could care less about God over there. Oh, they have their Jewish traditions that they follow. They'll do the Passover. They'll do all the things, and we'll look at a verse on that here in a few minutes. But but it's basically irreligious. Those who are religious, I mean, I saw the Orthodox uh I don't know what they call them, but they're the ones with the hair hanging down their sides and stuff like that. You know what they are? They're beggars. They believe that the government should take care of them because they have dedicated themselves to studying the Torah. They're they're a bunch of bums. I can tell you that right now. I saw it with my own eyes. Uh, Many today still go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. They go there. They listen to to, uh, what the rabbi says. They listen to him, but they, 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 they hear what he says, but they don't hear what he says. They don't listen to it. They don't do what it says. Listen to this next passage from Ezekiel because I think it describes what's going on there pretty well. But I also think it describes what's going on in America pretty well. It says, And they come unto thee as the people come. That's talking about coming to the prophet. And they sit before thee as a people. And they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. 
And when this has come to pass, and lo, it will, then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. That's a very important passage of Scripture. Uh, earlier in this same context, they are talking about him over by the wall. That means they're talking behind his back. They're saying, oh, yeah, you know, he's da-da-da-da-da. You know how it goes. And sadly, many people do that about their pastors, especially if he's preaching the truth. But they'll come and listen as they would go to a musical concert. Does that kind of explain why so many of our churches have turned themselves into musical concerts? Because that's what the people want to hear. And they're coming, but they come like that. They hear the words. They say, oh, these are, this is beautiful. I really just love to hear this. But they won't do what the words say. They will not follow the precepts of God. When Ezekiel's prophecy comes to pass, and it tells us that it will come to pass, they will know that a prophet has been among them. It's one of the reasons we have prophecy. I'll talk about that a little bit in a minute. But we have prophecy so that we'll know that, that there's been a prophet of God and that things are going to happen like God said they, they will. While Israel is a covenant nation, we need to remember that America is not. We do not have the same promises of, of a continued existence like Israel does. When we fall, it will be like others that have fallen before us. But, however, America was founded on biblical precepts. In many ways, it does parallel Israel of old. It, it, it's like Israel, or was at least like Israel, it was a nation that was based on God's principles. It was a nation that tried to follow him and live according to the righteousness that's taught in the scriptures. We've enjoyed the blessings of God for 250 years almost. And he, he was our God, but he's not anymore. We've taken him out of the schools. We've taken him out of out of just about everything. I mean, you just mentioned uh, God if you're speaking at a school graduation and you will be ostracized up one side and down the other. Uh, we've pretty much taken him out of public society. The only reason they haven't taken him out of the buildings, the government buildings in, in uh, Washington, D.C., is because to do so would require destroying the whole buildings because they're so covered with the things of God. But we, we've rejected him. We've turned our back on him. He has therefore removed his hedge of protection around us. We were the protector of the whole world. And I don't think we should be the world's policemen. Don't misunderstand me on that. But we were the protectors of the whole world. We were the ones that made the difference that ended the war against Germany in, in the uh, First World War. We ended the uh, war in the Second World War against Germany and Japan and Italy and the other countries that were on that side. We were the protector of the world. But you realize that the last war we've won is the Second World War. Korea, we didn't win. There's still a line of demarcation there, and there's still it's it's never ended. Oh, we're not fighting anymore. Uh, Vietnam, the war that I was in, we had it won, and then we turned it over to our enemies. The same things happened in uh, the Middle East, in Iraq, and in Afghanistan. We went in there, we defeated the bad guys, and uh, then we walked out and let the bad guys come in and take it over again. And folks, it's sad, but that's the way it is. We are not winning wars anymore because we've turned our back on God. You know, all of this that's going on with Israel and, and how things are, are 
raising up against them and how Israel acted in the past and they're acting the same way. You know, it reminds me of a New Testament passage which is talking to Christians. And I think it's very important. It's 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3, and you need to read it into context, but I'll just give you this verse. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Now think about that. Isn't that exactly the same thing as talking about in Ezekiel in the passage that I read? Oh, they come to church and they listen and they say, wow, pastor, that was a great sermon. And they go out and live their lives just like they hadn't even been there. We talk with people in our church and we go to a good church, but we talk to people in our church and everything's about what's going on in their lives. There's nothing about scripture, nothing about what's coming on. Uh, Occasionally you'll get someone to talk about, but the majority, I mean, I hear people taking up the pastor's time after uh, the game or after the service rather. And I said game because of what I was thinking, and I'm going to say here. And what are they talking about? They're talking about baseball or basketball or football or something like this. And they just go on and on and on. But they're not interested in what he just preached. They're interested in who's going to win the game today. We, we like Israel, have sought those who tell us what we want to hear. If you if you remember, uh, there were oftentimes in Israel when the prophet would come and the king would say, I don't want to listen to you. Bring me a prophet that will tell me what I want to hear. Well, that's where we are today. And this is true both in the religious realm, that is concerning the things of God, but also in the political realm. Why are so many people uh, voting for for those on the left who want to bring in socialism and communism, who want to destroy our nation? Why are so many doing that? Because they're trusting in men or government instead of themselves. You know, folks, churches are supposed to take care of those in need, not the government. And the government makes it so it's easier and and less expensive to stay at home and let the government pay you a welfare check than it is to go out and get a job. Uh, and the reason that's the case is because so many people haven't prepared themselves for a job. I mean, I was looking on the news uh, yesterday, it was, and it says the ACT scores, that's the tests that you take in order to get your qualifications into college, are the lowest they've been in 30 years. Why? Because they're not teaching anybody anything of any value. They're teaching them to hug trees. They're talking the environmental agenda. Agenda. They're teaching the LGBTQ plus whatever other letters they want to throw in there. Uh, agenda. They're having drag cranes come in and teach in our schools instead of having somebody coming in and teaching science or math or history or something like that. They're just totally gone off from where they ought to be. Christians no longer. Uh, are no longer a light in the world like they're supposed to be. We're supposed to be salt and light in this world. We're supposed to be something that that makes a difference. Light shows what's right and what's wrong. People like to sin in dark places because you can't see what they're doing. They know it's wrong. Salt is supposed to season things and spice things, and it's a healing element and and things like this. I mean, I have some tooth problems, and the dentist wants so much money to fix them, I can't afford it, so what do I do? I wash my mouth out with salt, and it solves the problem for me. It doesn't heal it, but it keeps me able to function. Um, the The government will gladly accept the role of as our God. As a matter of fact, one of the major problems with organizations, especially governmental organizations, is they take on a life of their own. You know, our government was set up to be very simple, and it is so complex now. Uh, 
there are some on the right that are talking about getting rid of the Department of Education, and I personally think they should. And all you have to do is go to the Constitution. You'll find out that the Department of Education and many other departments in our government are totally unconstitutional. The uh, Constitution says anything that was not specifically given to the federal government is specifically withheld. There's nothing in the Constitution that gives the government the right to control our education. Therefore, it is specifically withheld from us. So we should not have that. And there are many others. And don't get upset with me if you disagree with me on that. I'm just telling you that's the way it should be and it's not the way it is. And uh, if you don't like my thinking that, well, listen to somebody else, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I probably shouldn't have said that, but I did. And I'm not going to take it out when I edit this either. But we're no longer the light in the world. Since our churches have let us down, people have turned to the government. Like I said, churches are supposed to take care of us when we're in need and they've turned to the government and the government uses us to, uses it to make us slaves out of us the the government wants us on welfare so we need to elect them i know in france there are so many uh, socialistic programs in france like uh, similar to our welfare but also they have an allocation they give to every family when they get their second child is they get third they get more and don't get it for one but they get it for two three or more and it doesn't matter how much money you make one person i know that was making over five hundred thousand dollars a year uh, sent the money back and the government came back to him and said if you don't take it we're going to take you to court and sue you so they want them dependent on the government the french people could not survive if they elected a true conservative government because they'd lose all these benefits that they are getting because somebody else is paying for them you know welfare is not free somebody has to pay for it and if you start taking all the money away from those who make a lot of money they'll quit making a lot of money and they'll quit working so hard and you'll lose your job etc anyway how should we respond be responding to what uh, is happening in israel right now First of all, we need to understand that it fits God's plan as laid out in prophecy. Secondly, it should move us to repentance and seeking the word of God. And thirdly, it should be a warning to the lost about judgment and how short the time is that they have. Prophecy was given, like I say, for several reasons. It's the proof of Scripture, uh, proof that it is the Word of God, because nobody else could have done what he's done and tell the future like he has. It's a warning of coming judgment, both to the saved and the lost. We're all going to stand before God. It's interesting. Our pastor was preaching at a at a senior center uh Tuesday night, and he uh, talked to a woman afterward. He'd preached on the judgment of God. She's a, she says, I've been in church all my life, and this is a woman my age. And she had been in church all of her life. She'd gone to parochial schools, which kind of indicates she might have been a Catholic. But she said she'd never heard that we were going to stand before God in judgment. And uh, another reason is to comfort us in times of trouble. We can look at things that are happening and say, well, it's going to get better. We know it is because we've got God's promises in prophecy. And it's a tool for reaching the lost. We should be using what's happening in Israel right now as a tool to warn people to show them how this is exactly what the Bible predicted it would be like in the end times. And uh, we should be saying, you need to get right with God before it's too late. Uh, although politicians may come along with the right policies, they don't have the solution. America needs revival. If there's no revival among Christians, there's no hope for the world. 
we as Christians will be gone when the worst comes, but we'll leave our loved ones and friends behind if we don't have revival. Revival will only come when we realize how far we have departed from God's precepts and our hearts are broken enough to drive us to repentance. Today, everyone has their own opinion, their own interpretation, their own Bible version, and their own attitude towards the Word of God, and this can only lead to confusion. Men like Augustine, who was the prime mover of the foundation of the Catholic Church, thought teaching the Bible or interpreting the Bible allegorically was the right way. When you do that, you can make the Bible say absolutely anything you want. Um, we need to get a reliable Bible translation, and the only one I know in English is the King James. Uh, you can argue that if you want, but I won't listen because I've studied it out. We need to study it from a literal position, taking it for what it says. And no matter how uh, it goes against modern thinking and political correctness, uh, we need to stand firm on what it says. The Bible teaches us in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 that God puts up with our sinfulness because he wants everybody to come to repentance. And that means to salvation. Judgment is coming and it's going to sneak up on the lost. They won't expect it, but we should expect it. And everything that in this world is going to be burnt up. Since we know this, how should we conduct ourselves? We ought to live holy, godly lives that are not like the world. And most Christians I see when they're not in church are just like the world. We ought to be warning others of coming judgment and try to bring them to Christ before it is eternally too late. God's timeline for this age is drawing to a close. And my challenge to all of us uh, is that uh, as Christians, we start warning other Christians to get right. We start warning the lost of the danger that they're in. And uh, uh, that one day we're all going to stand before God in judgment, either at the judgment seat of Christ as Christians or the great white throne of, of, of God at the uh, final judgment. And I'm going to have to cut this off there. I've had to speed up a little bit here at the end. I got a little bit long. You have been listening to Solid Foundation Ministries from Lenore, North Carolina. Dr. Kuvert has 35 years in the ministry as a former missionary and pastor. He is available for revivals and various conferences on missions, Bible, Baptist heritage, and the family. To find out more, Go to our website, SolidFoundationMinistries.com or call 828-244-6505. Remember, the Christian life is not about you. It's about God receiving the glory.